0: Well, good morning, church. Man, I know that you are excited to be here just like I am as we unpack the Word of God and discover how we're called to live this Christian life. And not alone, but together as family. We're continuing this series, and we'll finish up today in this series called Word, as we talk about the words that we use in our life, that we speak to one another, uh, and what an exciting time to be together to celebrate that empty tomb and what Jesus Christ has done for us on that cross, amen? We have such a blessed life, and church, we can overcome whatever the world throws our way, because He is the ultimate overcome and he lives within us. We can tackle whatever the world throws our way and overcome that very thing. I know we've got some new faces in our audience this morning. Thank you for joining us, being a part of our time together, joining us online as well. Thank you so much. We would hope that if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to think about Cross Point being that place where you can kind of spiritually raise your own awareness, spiritually raise your family, use your giftedness to help tell that story of hope. That is Jesus Christ. Not only right here in Grand Prairie, in the metro, but around the world. Lots of ways for you to get plugged in with that message of hope and all Jesus Christ can do for you and through you uh, in his spirit. This morning, we're going to take a look. We'll start in the book of James chapter 3. I hope you've got your Bibles and we will turn with me there. We'll be there in a few moments. We'll also take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, but all of our text is going to be on the screen. Uh, For those that uh, uh, did bring their Bible or are wondering exactly where to go, because we're going to look at some Proverbs and unpack some other texts that are going to be important to our Christian faith and our Christian walk as we continue to discover how we're called to live with one another and speak well to one another. Uh, I love the way uh, the message version of the Bible uh, quotes Proverbs chapter 18. Uh, And it says, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, you choose. And we're reminded as we speak to one another in love that we can either give words of affirmation, we can either give words of life, speak life into those around us, or we're going to be speaking death to those that we come in contact with. That it's either going to be poison or fruit in our life. And church, as people who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to speak life into those people that we come in contact with each and every day. Not just the people we like, but everybody that we come across every single day to speak life into them. And my guess is if you're anything like me, there have been moments where maybe you haven't had a great transition in life. Maybe you haven't had a moment where where things haven't gone exactly as you've hoped because you haven't allowed people to speak life into you. And so today we're going to take a look at a text that's going to call us to be a little bit vulnerable as we walk and journey together. It's this idea that we're going to speak life into one another using love. We're going to allow others to speak life into us. You're going to see where we're going to go what Paul is going to mention to us in Ephesians chapter 4 in just a moment. You know, there is a professor of psychology who works at UCLA, uh, and his body of work it really has begun to unpack. This very thing that we're talking about and how it affects us. His name is Matthew Lieberman. Uh, Matthew is working on and discovering how our brain translates moments when we get hurt. And so there are moments you have been hurt physically in your life, broke a bone, something like that, fell down, and your brain automatically tells you, it's okay to scream right now. You're kind of hurting. It's okay. You've had that translation going on in in your mind. But he believes, too, that of course when we hurt, emotionally, spiritually, socially, moments when our body is not necessarily in disrepair or broken, that we also hurt. And so he began to measure the words that we use in moments like that. And you may have used these words before. Maybe you've heard them before. Moments when you might have said, you know, she really broke my heart. Moments when you might say, you know, the words that they used felt like a punch in the stomach. And we use kind of those physical metaphors to kind of describe how we feel in the moment. Well, what Matthew found in his research was the way our brain translates those ideas is when we have that emotional hurt, when we have that social uh, moment where we get kind of poured on and spewed on and talked down to, that our brain translates that the same way. So for instance, when we have our heart broken, our brain says it feels just like we broke our leg. That's how the brain translates that. Now my guess is too that, that you're fairly quick to see how people hurt you when they speak ill towards you. When they kind of spew on you, pour out negative connotations on you, you almost immediately see how that affects you and the hurt you feel in that process. But the inverse is not true. We don't always see right away how our words affect people that we interact with, that we speak to, that we touch. We're slow to see how our words affect people. And so there are moments when I know that in your life, as well as my life, where you've had an emotional moment, something happened that was tragic, it just wasn't part of your day so to speak, you didn't think it was on the schedule, but yet it happened anyway. And then you erupted emotionally on this other person. We kind of explode like a volcano. And at the very end of the moment, we say, you know, I didn't really mean to say it like that. Or, I'm really sorry, I just needed to vent a little bit. Or, I'm real sorry, I'm just under a lot of stress right now. What the doctor would say is that it's the same type of feeling that if you were to stab someone your brain is telling you that you're hurting, even though you didn't really mean it. Matthew would say it's the same as stabbing someone and saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't really mean to do that. If you're anything like me, you've experienced moments when it's difficult to control your tongue, where it's tough to hold back that emotion that you feel inside and really channel it in a different direction so that you can be a person that truly looks like Jesus Christ. And Jesus' half-brother, James, as we said a couple of weeks ago, feel like that he probably struggled with that as a leader in the church, as just a human being struggling with holding back words that hurt those around him. He goes on to say in James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. And we're reminded by James that it is difficult to control our tongue and the way that we interact and talk with people, the words that we use. And I'm not always good at that. One of the ways I've tried to reconcile, making sure that I'm speaking words of affirmation, not talking down, not talking harshly, is I kind of put God in the picture as well. The way I kind of work that out is I say, you know, I want to be reconciled to people and I also want to be reconciled to God. So the way I talk to people, I'm actually talking to God that way too. I kind of put them in the same picture and it kind of helps me resolve to be better at how I talk, the words that I use. We should not only want to make it right with the people that we interact with each and every day, but we should also want to make it right with God as well. Now, at the very front end of this series, I encourage you guys to read through the letter to the church at Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. It's only six chapters long. It might take you 15, 20 minutes to read it at one sitting. But it's such an important uh, letter that Paul writes to that church. It's such an important letter for us to be aware of as followers of Jesus Christ, because in that letter, Paul spells out succinctly exactly what it means to follow Christ, In the first three chapters of that letter, he reminds us who we look like to God. Who do we look like to Jesus Christ? What type of grace and mercy has been extended to us because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross? And because of what he did for us, then our life should look different. We should behave differently. We should talk differently. And so in a nutshell, Paul is saying, look, Jesus Christ did this to you. He extended grace to you. And because of what he's done for you, your life should look different. And so the text that we read this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning of verse 29, Paul is wanting to remind us of how we're called to look differently than the world in the words that we speak and how we treat one another. He says in verse 29, beginning, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And the very next chapter begins in verse one. He says the very next thing, imitate God in everything you do. So the call here for Paul is him reminding us that we talk differently than the world. We don't have the same script as they do. But did you notice right in the middle of that text was an interesting little piece. Right in the middle, Paul says, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit with this type of behavior. He talks about rage and anger and negative emotion and the words we use, and he right in the middle says, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. The word that's used there is is an emotional word for God, grief or sorrow. And it reminds me that God hears all of our conversations, all of our interaction together. And my guess is, is as he listens to us talk to one another, that it truly brings sorrow to him when he hears us kind of pulling each other down, tearing each other up, talking harshly to one another. He wants us to have a different heart as we speak one to another. So the question I want to start with this morning is, what do you really struggle with? What's the thing in your mind that you really have to work through? Because I feel like there are really two kinds of different sins. One is a sin of commission, which is the one that's kind of on the forefront of our mind most of the times. It's our behavior. It's the way we act. It's the things that we do. And those, those things don't line up with how God's called us to live in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's those sins of commission. But there are also sins of omission. And there are things that we should say and we should do that, for whatever reason, we withhold and we, we don't do. And Paul is calling that church in Ephesus to mature in their faith, to fully get their arms wrapped around, what does it mean to follow a risen Savior? And our blessing is we have the letter, and so it's a call for us today to also mature in our faith as we live out this life that God's called us to live in His Son, Jesus Christ. In in chapter 4, Paul goes into this idea where he's calling the church to mature, He says, listen, when you follow Christ, you're going to use your giftedness. You're going to be different than the world around you. You're going to be a brand new kind of creation. And so after he calls that church to mature, he says in verse 14, then you will no longer be immature like children we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Paul is saying, listen, you live in a culture that's going to try to pull you away from the way God's called you to live in his son Christ. Don't listen to the culture. Know that you have a different script. You're called to live differently. And so as he's calling that church and us to mature, look what he says in verse 15. Instead, We will speak the truth in love. Now, church, if you've got your own Bible, this is one of those verses you need to circle, highlight, underline. It's transformational. Verse 15, that we will speak to one another truth about how to live in Christ, but we're gonna do it with a loving spirit, not hateful, not downgrading, not pulling people down, but we're gonna speak in love. He goes on to say, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So as we mature, we're becoming more and more like Christ, including the type of words that we say, the type of emotion, emotional content that we have in the moment. Now, many of you have probably seen the new sign we have out by our welcome desk. The the mission statement isn't new, but the sign is. But if you know the very third line on there, it really coincides with our banner up here, Come, Connect, Become. Crosspoint exists to help people become more like Jesus. Now, I'm going to hopefully not throw you under the bus, but how many of you in here would like to become more like Jesus? Okay, those that didn't raise your hand, I'm going to write your name down. <laughs> Be coming by tonight. But there, there are moments in our life as we travel together as family. Where my hope is you love me enough that you're going to speak some truth into my life. And that I'm going to love you enough to speak some truth into your life. Because the truth is we don't all have it all together. And we need each other to journey together. We've got to have one another on this journey. Because there are going to be things that I've missed or overlooked in my life that I'm called to live out as a follower of Christ. I mean, what's Paul say to that church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16? He says that we're called to teach and admonish one another in love. And so as a family, as a spiritual family church, we're called to teach and admonish one another, to counsel each other with wisdom as we journey together. Because you don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. We need one another in the process. Now, that idea, though, is based on The idea that Jesus' love already dwells within me. That as I come to you and speak truth into your life, that I'm coming with a heart that is full of Jesus Christ's love, His grace, and His mercy. That I'm wanting to truly help and journey with you in the moment. That the words that we speak to one another will not be based out of some emotional rampage that I might be on in the moment that it it won't be because I've been offended somewhere along the way and now it's my turn to kind of give it back to you, that I'm not going to be pulling my my list of rules and regulations out of my hip pocket to kind of beat you over the head with that list. No, it's a mutual effort that we have one for another, that we love one another, and we do that to one another. It's not this mindset of some kind of spiritual superiority that because I'm so lofty and I've got it all together and I'm so holy that I can talk down to you about your walk. No, it's coming together equally realizing we're both created in the image of God. And I love you enough to speak truth into your life. So the question here is to ask, when was the last time that that was done for you in your life? When was the last time someone spoke some truth into your life because of choices that you have made? And if it's not been a while, it's probably for two reasons. One, you've already got it together and you really don't need any advice. You kind of know everything that's going on and we all chuckle because we know it's probably not true. The second idea is that you haven't given anyone permission to do that for you in your life that you've decided, you know what, I can do this thing alone, I'm a lone ranger, I don't need people speaking truth and holding me accountable in my own life. The truth is, probably at some point, you had a friend, a family, someone that leaned into you and kind of called your attention to some truth that you weren't living out, and you just kind of erupted all over that person. How dare you call me? What do you think you, who do you think you are? And the list goes on. Everyone else saw that reaction and immediately said, okay, don't talk to." Tim about that particular thing. He's gonna just go crazy on you. When was the last time that you did it for someone else? Not venting about something that you see wrong, but truly coming to them with a spirit of love and grace and mercy, pouring into them God's truth in Jesus Christ. You see, it's it's really all about building relationship, isn't it? That's what That's what God's word is all about. This year, I had our staff and our shepherds read this book called Canoeing the Mountains. If you haven't read it, I'd encourage you to do so. It's a great reminder of how to live out how God's called us to live in the church context and where you might find yourself. We've got, let me tell you, we've got 15 shepherds at this congregation who are incredible men of God. They pray literally for you by name every single week. These are men who are wanting to be in your homes, wanting to take you out to lunch, coffee, to discover what's going on in your life. They want to pray with you and over you. They are terrific men who spiritually lead this congregation and move us in the direction that they feel God is calling us. And what we find out in the moment, this book reminds us that there are three different circles of life, if you will, three things to accomplish if you want to create a transformation in someone's life, in a company's life, in a church's life, in an individual's life. One of those three circles is relationship. For instance, if I don't know you from Adam and I know that you might need some correction and I simply walk into the room and I say, listen, you need, you need to stop doing this and you need to start doing that. And I walk out of the room, what's the likelihood of change in that moment? Almost zero, right? However, If you've got a relationship with me, if you tried to bond with me, if you've taken me to an OSU Cowboy football game, I'm telling you, I'm going to listen. When we build relationship with each other, we tend to listen. And Todd in his book says, look, you've got to have relationship with people if you truly want to uh, change, if if you want that transformation to take place. And what I'm reminded in Scripture, church, is that we as a spiritual family, we're called, it's our responsibility to help one another on the journey, to lean into each other's lives, not segregate ourselves by our own family unit or or the thing I'm doing in life and just showing up on a Sunday morning. We've got to lean into one another, reach out and help one another in love. Now, I know that you've experienced this in your own life. I have as well. Uh, from pretty much day one I was born, I've been in the church. My dad was a preacher, and that's just the way it was. I don't regret most of that. Anyway. <laughs> there are people, and you've seen this happen in your own life, that love confrontation. That They'll do anything to stir the pot. They want to create a little bit of chaos. They they want to create a little bit of havoc. And if you are a follower of Christ and you find yourself enjoying confrontation, you are doing it all wrong. That's not the biblical approach to getting change in people, to getting people to look more like Jesus Christ. It's not the spirit that we've been called to follow Christ with. In those moments when we need to enter a conversation where change needs to happen, church, it should be done with a heavy heart, with a heart that is, is weepy, with a heart that is sorrowful for the moment, to realize how much better that we could have it, and you want to bring that to the forefront. But often we rationalize what other people do that might need some truth poured into their life with love, we rationalize by saying, well, they're, they're under a lot of stress right now. She's under a lot of stress. He's under a lot of stress. But church, I think the reality is we are making excuses for our own self by not entering into that conversation. We're thinking more of ourselves than we are other people. And the truth is, it's hard to appreciate where a conversation could truly leave you because you've had those moments where someone spoke truth into you and they did it with a loving heart and it changed the direction that you were going. I know it's happened in my life as well. A couple of examples. Maybe you've got a friend, a family member, and every time you see them, they've got a drink in their hand and you think, Maybe there's a drinking problem. Maybe I should lean into this a little bit to see what's going on. And so you meet with that friend out of love and relationship. You lean into them, you plant some seeds, and then that that life has changed because they realize maybe the direction that they're going. And things are different because of that conversation. Or maybe you've got a, a friend who's dating a, a non-Christian. They've got different goals in life, truly, but they're, they're still on the dating scene together. But you've seen some things on social media, you've heard some things in your friend circle, and you're worried. And so you, you have a meeting with that friend out of love. You sit down with them and you talk about direction and what's going on and how can you help. And you plant those seeds. And things are different. Things change. A, a different opportunity comes to the forefront. Now, my hope is that you've got people like that in your life. Personally, I have a small group of guys, about three or four different guys, and I've given them permission to speak into my life. I said, listen, if if I become arrogant or prideful, if I become self-centered, if it becomes about me and never Jesus, if you see something I'm doing in my life, whether that's how I talk to Robin or my kids, or the people, you have permission to come into my life and say, hey, what's going on? So I know that when they come knocking and they want to go to have a cup of coffee, I'll think, okay, I'm going to listen because I've given them permission. I trust them. They're my confidants. They're going to help me. They're going to pour into me some truth, but they're doing it with a loving spirit. Now, Paul models this very well for the first uh, century church, the church in Corinth, We've got four letters that we know that Paul wrote to that church in Corinth. We have two of them, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. But all through those letters, he, that, that church is just messy. There's a lot going on in that congregation. And Paul wants to, in love, help correct some of that, move them in a direction that's more suitable and looks more like Jesus Christ. And so as he, as he expertly does that in those two letters, I'm reminded that we too need to do that for one another. And I want to frame up kind of what Paul does in his letters using uh, two or three different questions for you this morning, kind of to walk away with and you to kind of have in your repertoire to, to ask yourself as you move through some of these conversations that you'll find yourself in. The first one is this, is my motive to help or to hurt? When I have this conversation, is it to really help or to hurt? Am I just walking into this because I want to, to make sure that somebody knows their place and what they're doing wrong? Or is it truly to journey with them, walk with them in this very difficult moment that that you have experienced? Because oftentimes we simply wanna pay back what was done negatively to us. We simply want to journey with this person in such a way to give back what they've already given to us at an earlier date. I mean, they caused me some pain, months, sometimes years ago, and I've just been waiting for this moment to really put them in their place. But if you'll notice in Paul's letter to that church in Corinth, over and over and over, he uses familial terms. So he's speaking the truth, but in love. And as he talks them through this process, he calls them my beloved children. He says, my dear brothers and sisters. Over and over, he uses these endearing comments to remind them, I'm on the journey with you. I'm speaking truth, but I want you to know how much I love you. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, I'm writing these things not to shame you, not to lay guilt on you, but because I love you. You're my beloved children. He's reminding them of where they are in their relationship. Another question you might ask yourself, am I saying this because it will make me feel better or it's actually going to help the people I'm talking to? Because there are moments when we see sin going on in a friend's life, a family member's life, something that could be better, look more like Jesus, and it just weighs us down. And so I've seen lots of conversations where you simply walk up and you kind of beat them over the head and you say you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, and you walk away and you kind of say, well, I told them. It's kind of on them now to take care of it. And so you feel better about the process, but you've really not helped out in the process. So ask yourself, is it really for me or am I doing it truly for them? And Paul says as he writes that church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that we're called to build each other up in love. Not tear down, but to build one another up. And he's talking about the family of believers. That's us here this morning. In the text we already read in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, When you speak, make sure that it benefits those who are listening. That it's an encouragement, it's, it's affirmation, it's a reminder of who they are in Jesus Christ. Another question you might ask yourself is, what is the tone of my communication? What type of intonation am I using in my language? One particular study says that, that there is, uh, in all of our communication, that about 93% of it is all body language and intonation of the words. A small percentage of the actual words. What we're talking about in our Christian walk is the whole package, everything that we use to communicate. What does my tone communicate? And Paul says in Colossians chapter four and verse six, to to let your conversation be full of grace, full of mercy, because that's how Jesus Christ speaks to us, even in our guilt. And our tone church can either build a bridge in relationships, or it's going to build a wall, one or the other. And our call as we look at the life of Jesus Christ is that we would build a bridge between those that we interact with each and every day. You see, I, I wanna be that kind of church, don't you? I, I wanna be a place where, where we come together and we are challenged and there is tension because I'm not who I want to be, I want to look like Jesus and you challenge me, I challenge you and together we're in this thing together. That every Sunday morning, every connect group, every learning time, it causes that tension that leads to change. But I also want us to be a place where we do that with a spirit of love, a spirit of grace and mercy. Where we challenge one another, but we do it with the spirit of Jesus Christ. A place for open dialogue where we can talk about how do we become more like Him. Because at the end of the day, church, we need each other. I can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. As much as we try to convince ourselves of that, and this culture tries to convince ourselves of that, church, we are a family. And we lean on each other every single day. And so the call as we finish up our series is that we would be people who speak truth, but in love, that we speak life into those that we interact with each and every day. The call this morning is that we would allow the Holy Spirit to transform our heart and our life to look more like that risen Savior that we would be people who speak positively and affirm those that we interact with. And when truth needs to be spoken, that we would do it with a spirit of humbleness and of love. My guess is there are some of us here this morning who might be struggling in that particular area. And as we do every Sunday, we're gonna sing this song and our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the, the wall of this room. And if you find yourself in that moment today, I want you to think about the relationships you have, the struggle that you have to speak into that relationship. That you would want that Holy Spirit to soften your heart, to give you the words to say that would bring about true transformation so that both look more like Jesus. And as we sing this song, go find one of those shepherd couples and let them pray for you and over you. That you'd be able to leave behind that thing that's just kind of been a ball and chain for you, and you'd be able to lean into the life that Jesus Christ has called us into. Let's stand now together as a family and praise his holy name.